created live on Fireside. Welcome to Office Hours with Dr. DeVoe. We are live from the Commit to Excellence Conference in downtown Boston. And uh, we are here doing some micropods, uh, talking to uh, young leaders, uh, members of the faculty, trying to make sure that people are, uh, you know, getting the coaching they need. And these are microblogs, uh, micropods, excuse me, where we're going to be talking to participants and giving some uh some advice okay and we have here from stetson university stockton stockton university sorry in new jersey monica right and monica what do you do and why brought you here so talk to us get up to the microphone and tell us a little bit about yourself uh, hello <laughs> uh, i am an academic affairs chairperson for our student senate okay uh and i kind of just fell into the position okay uh i was pushed by our president who uh resigned over the summer so it was very unexpected okay 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 so you're student government president not the university president yes okay that's important (laughs) (laughs) okay and so um i going into school i immediately knew this was something i wanted to do to provide more transparency to everyone okay uh, i never had any experience with it but i always admire the people in my high school and uh all the organizers for making it happen okay so okay i just wanted to be a part of it so when you talk about transparency what does transparency mean to you because that's important for me to understand as we're kind of talking through this so i feel like as we uh get older we just start to learn more about things that are kind of obscure yeah but they're so real so yeah. like they're just so hard to understand sometimes and they're a little fogged by like words that we just might not know so mm-hmm. you know how there's like a language for every uh you know like computer science majors or like whatever you're uh into yep and i just kind of wanted to decipher all those words and just simplify it in a way that's actually digestible mm-hmm. because um uh, I just always had that barrier. Okay. Okay. So when students uh, register for courses at your institution, um, they're trying to make sure that they're making the best decision. And so you as a peer and as a leader amongst peers, you're making sure that the information that the university is sharing with them is actually digestible and understandable to your 18 to 24 year old college student. Okay, so that's great. And you working with uh, the faculty and the academic side of the house, do you actually meet with the provost or the vice president for academic affairs? What do you do there? I do meet with the provost Okay. and she is an amazing woman. She's new to our school, but she blends so perfectly because she really cares about the community where we're at. Mm-hmm. And all she does is like see herself as a student, right? Uh, whatever really suits our interests best. Right. She, she's just such a great voice, and uh, I, for my committee members, I try to have them connect with the deans of whatever schools they are more most interested in. Yep. Just to kind of know that they exist, that they're there. There's a connection. We want it to be heard, and we want like anything they, the faculty. Uh, needs or would like to see more of mm-hmm. we just want to make sure that that line of communication is there that's great and so one of the things i would say just from the outset and you haven't told me what you want to you want to ask me so you you know i want you to start to think about like what's the thing you want an answer to okay um but i think one of the things that i would say because you are working across kind of communities right 
you need to hear from your peers what they need. You need to be able to digest what your your peers need. You need to be able to ask some critical questions of, okay, hold up a second. I feel like I know, because this is one of the biggest issues that I find with student leaders. They understand it, okay, because they're having these sit-down conversations with the provost or the president or with other members of the administration, and they're being given kind of a look underneath the hood, right? They're like, okay, I understand this. But you have to start to ask these questions of your peers who may not have that look underneath the hood, be able to say, oh, okay, this is this is where the students don't understand it, okay? And so one of the things that you have with all of this is that you have access to people who have political capital, okay? And what I mean by political capital, these are the people who actually make things happen on your campus. All right. And it's a really big responsibility. And so when you're leaving here, so what's your major? Environmental science. Okay. You're the second environmental person I've interviewed today. Okay. And so when you, I know, it's like we need you. Um, but it's that when you actually leave this, this space, when you leave campus, when you are done, you actually now have an experience that very few people have, which is you have sat down with the people who make decisions and get them to understand why their decisions impact you, impact other students, and what they need to be aware of so that when they're making these decisions, they're making the best decisions and not decisions that just make sense to them. These decisions actually have to make sense to other people. And so what you're doing is managing up, okay? And that is a skill that very few people have, okay? You are managing up, up, and up. Okay. Um, and that's super important because what you're doing has broad impact. All right. So tell me what you were hoping to get out of this. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> that, uh, definitely it's tempting because uh, higher education is something so new to me, being a first generation student. Okay. Uh, uh, and that's super important. And I want to highlight. So it is like first gen month, I think. Right. OK. And I think that one of the things we have to also acknowledge is that when you're a first generation college student, there is a certain language. You talked about this at the very beginning of our conversation. There's a certain language that is used around campus. And when you are a first generation college student, no one in your house is using that language. If your family isn't using it. Your direct family, you know, your brothers, sisters, parents, whatever, people aren't having that conversation. And so you, you're like a Martian. Like you literally come home and you say things and they look at you like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay. And that is an isolating feeling. I'm not going to speak for your feelings, but I know from working with first gen students, it's like, I can't get my parents to understand this. I can't get my family to understand this. I need someone to help me kind of uh, sit down with them and explain what are these stressors and how significant they are because there's nothing in their life that is equitable to that. So I need to acknowledge the fact that you are a groundbreaker, which is awesome. All right. So as a first generation student, what were you hoping to get out of this and, and what are you hoping to kind of get out of this whole thing for yourself? Well, I need to change. I need to grow out of my habits that keep holding me down, that keep repeating the cycle. Okay. Okay. So I think that uh, communication is the biggest thing. Okay. It's also the hardest thing. Okay. Uh, and especially within ourselves, that's something that I've just like, you know how you just want to fit in, but like, mm -hmm. like everyone tries for so long and you know, you like everyone should know by now that you stand out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So 
last night I talked to you all about authenticity. All right. And I talked about what makes an authentic leader. Right. And until you find your authentic voice, that communication is not going to happen. All right. And so if there's some muscle memory that you need to push on is that idea of what is my authenticity? Where, where does that actually root itself? Okay. You are allowed to change a little bit. You're still, how old are you? 20. You're 20 years old. Okay. God love you. All right. All right. And when you're 20 years old, things do change. Okay. But that doesn't mean you change who you are. You're never going to change who you are. At the core. At the core. Okay. Some of the priorities are going to shift. Okay. As you get older and you're like, nah, you know, I, I, I'm ready for something new or this is something that's a priority for me. Okay. But you talked a little bit about breaking the cycle. What is that cycle that you're trying to break? Is it related to communication? What is it related to? I feel like as youngins in this generation, it's kind of easy to just do with easy yeah uh not really put in the the time to struggle mm -hmm. and to be uh i think humility mm. is something like you just kind of have to be frank yeah yeah can i say that when it comes to struggle struggle is is relative all right um you know we all have like people in our lives who struggled more or less. And sometimes people who struggled less think they've struggled more. And you're looking at it from the outside going, you don't have much of a struggle. But a very, something I always say to people is you can't tell people how to feel. Okay. You can't, you just can't tell someone how to feel. Feelings are personal. They are part of who you are to your core and for whatever reason, we all are kind of hardwired for our own feelings, okay? And there's going to be some things that are more stressful to each of us than others. There's going to be some things that are more uh, things that bring you down or things that really challenge you, all right? One of the things I would coach you to do is start to compartmentalize the things that you know are, tr are things that kind of bring you down that spiral. And... Don't let those things do that to you, okay? If you're looking at things, say, these are qualities that I have or these are options that I take part in that actually excite me, make me feel better, make me motivated to do other things, concentrate on those. And in this role, like I see your face light up when you're talking about talking to the provost and doing things that actually impact other people, those are the things that motivate you. I would tell you to scaffold those things during a period of time where you do enough of that and then layer in the things that are the struggle on top of that to say, I now have this feeling that I am confident. I can do things. I can make things happen. I can actually see efforts that are improving other people's lives. And now I'm going to try something hard something that's scaring me, something that I'm trying to avoid, all right? Scaffold those, those wins with some of the things that you're struggling with, okay? As people, we often jam all of the struggles into one bus. That's why they call it the struggle bus, 
we jam it all in and we say, I'm just going to get this done and we're all going to do all the shit I don't want to do all at the same time. That is not the way to do it. We do that with, I do that with housekeeping. Like I'm like, I am going to just do everything in one weekend and have a miserable weekend, but it's going to all get done. No, you're better off doing a little bit every day. <laughs> okay. Yes. A little bit every day, especially cleaning out the litter box, which is the single most disgusting thing that I have to do on a regular basis. All right. Was this Thank helpful? Thank you so much. Okay. More than helpful. <laughs> okay. You're very kind. So I'm going to see you more around the conference. All right. And so thank you for being here and tell other people to come on over. We're going to be doing this all throughout the weekend. Okay. Thank you so much. All right. You have a good one. All right. Now go eat some lunch. Yes. Okay. All right. We are here at the Commit to Excellence Conference here in downtown Boston. This is Office Hours with Dr. DeVoe. And uh, we are here to do some uh, micro pods and some coaching. And we have Alex. Alex, come on up. Put the headphones on. How are you? I'm okay. Okay. Get a little closer to the microphone. And um, you can actually, if you want it, there you go. You can do that. You can move this like this. There you go. It's all good. It's all good. Uh, and this is Office Hours with Dr. DeVoe. Thank you. This is the Fireside uh, Network. Uh, and we are here on a regular basis uh, with Office Hours with Dr. DeVoe. We talk about higher education. We talk about issues around campus. And I am absolutely thrilled to be here at the Commit to Excellence Conference in downtown Boston. We are here with some wonderful student leaders from around the country. And um, so, Tell me a little bit about yourself. What campus are you with? I'm with Nashua Community College. Okay. I am the treasurer of the student senate. That's fantastic. I met one of your peers earlier. Yeah, Lauren. And she was great. Okay. And so how long have you been in this role at Nashua Community College? Uh, let's see. Only a few weeks now. Okay. Um, <laughs> we just did the voting uh i'm the only person who ran but i do have previous experience okay. with uh, being a treasurer so. okay where were you a treasurer before then um scouts i was a treasurer twice along with i earned my financial uh financial and budgeting badge twice back-to-back -back years that's great um and when i was at a group home i was the treasurer there as well okay and what are you studying i am my major is currently criminal justice okay uh, it's going really great. I love it. Okay. And what do you want to do with the criminal justice degree? Do you know? I have a starter plan with it. I really want to go into uh, the police academy. Okay. My uncle Brian was a police chief of Keene. Up in, oh, up in Keene, New Hampshire. Uh, Beautiful. Yeah. It's a For those of you looking to do some traveling in the New Hampshire state environment and see some leaf peeping, there is a very beautiful place called Keene, New Hampshire. I've never been there. <gasps> I'm actually from Maryland. I moved up oh, here in May. Okay. I lived in Maryland my whole life. All right. Up until now. All right. And now you're living in New Hampshire. Yes. All right. I feel like the police system needs better people in it. I've okay. seen how um, police officers need a lot more training in yes. situations specifically pertaining to mental health and them not being prejudiced. I love that. People. I love that. And I, I've seen it firsthand with my friends. I've seen it myself when uh, police officers have failed me, uh, when they failed to keep me or others safe. And I want to be, I've said that I wanted to be the police officer that I would have wanted to show up to my call. What does that mean? What does what what would be an essential 
kind of quality of that police officer? Because that's going to relate to your leadership development. Yes, I would think one thing I learned here that goes along with what I believe is that you stay true to yourself, your authentic self, mm -hmm. and you don't change based off of what somebody else says. The system is one way. But screw the system sometimes because it causes people to have worse lives. Mm -hmm. When I become a police officer, I want to make sure that I stay true to not only myself, but I project those who need protecting. Mm -hmm. I am not going to look or turn the other way because someone has big money or is quote-unquote powerful. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do whatever it takes mm -hmm. to bring justice and to protect those who may necessarily not be able to protect themselves. Okay. And I, I see that you have a lived experience that is different from maybe other people who may enter the police academy. Do you feel comfortable talking about it? Yes, I do. I'm very open with it. Okay. Um, when I was younger, uh, 5 to 15, I kept CPS kept getting involved in my life. Okay. And... Police officers would often show up to my house, and they'll be like, "You okay?" Mm. But they never. One thing I learned is that whether it's a CPS worker or a police officer, they always ask me in front of my parents, mm. "What kid is being abused is going to tell the truth in front of their abusers?" Right, right. And when I did tell the truth, they would do nothing. They mm. used to say, "Well, you're just overreacted. Oh, it's because of your mental health." One police officer even had the audacity to say that I shouldn't have called the police when I felt threatened by my twin sister. Mm, okay. And no matter how hard I tried, it felt like it was never good enough. And eventually I did end up in foster care, something that I wanted because I wanted to get out of this abusive household. But then the police and CPS still failed me after that. Mm, mm. And I moved to an area in Maryland called Clinton, Maryland, mm -hmm. and I learned that there's more than just police officers just being lazy or not wanting to do their job. It's Clinton, Maryland is very um, is diverse, but also has a very uh, big population of African American people. Yeah, and I learned from them. I often try to learn different culturals the best I can mm -hmm. to be respectful. And I learned that they can't, not all, not all of them, but they did not, and they couldn't respect police officers because they were failed by that system. Mm -hmm. And I heard the stories and I've seen it myself. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, and I used to be myself very afraid of police officers. If one was around, mm -hmm. I mean, I did nothing wrong. I didn't commit a crime, but the thought of them having a gun, the thought of them having a taser, the thought of them having a lot of power right. scared me. Right. And it wasn't until recently that I was able to be like, you know what? I'm not going to be afraid of them. Mm -hmm. I'm going to become one and become a better one. And people look at me like, you're crazy. Mm. You're, one person is not going to change an entire system. Right. I'm like, you don't know that until you try. Mm -hmm. I've been told that I can't do things all my life. I can't play this sport or mm -hmm. I can't do this because of my height, my age, who I identify as. Mm -hmm. And I basically, I've given up on some of them. I've given up on proving people right sometimes because it's just not worth it to me to keep fighting that. But there are some things 
that I know I can win. There mm-hmm. are battles that I know I can win because it's not only just for me, it's for future generations. And I want to make that difference. I don't want to be that person who always says there needs to be change, but always stays silent and never does anything. Right. I want to be the person who does something. Right. Well, so you've had, you know, just a, a little about a day here. Okay. Um, we had opening sessions last night. You've gone to some sessions today. Did you, have you had any aha moments while you've been here where you said, okay, this actually makes sense to me in a different way. Like this is something that I hadn't really thought about, about leadership and my own capabilities. Um, because I'm going to be honest with you, you're a treasurer. Okay. And people oftentimes when they're filling leadership roles and they're like, okay, who wants to be the treasurer? And that's typically like the last one people want. Okay. It's the one I want. Okay. But, but that's the one that people are like, oh, we need to just find someone who likes to do this. Okay. And that's you. Um, someone who's capable at it. That's good. That's important. I had a treasurer of an organization one time. It was like, um, you know, Stacy, wh- how are we doing with the, you know, can you give me a budgetary update for the quarter? Well, you know, I'm like, no, no, the treasurer should be able to say, this is it. Okay. This should be a, a finite amount of money that we have. Okay. And her answer was always, well, it depends on how you look at it. I'm like, that doesn't make me feel better. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, but one of the other things about being a treasurer is oftentimes people have this, this kind of attitude that treasurers are a certain type of leader. Okay. Um, oftentimes when you look at an organization, the, the chief financial officer is not always the most uh, warm and fuzzy person. Okay. Um, they're there to tell you, no, we don't have the money or yes, we do have the money and that's about it. And don't spend it anymore. Okay. So as you've kind of come into this and you say, okay, what kind of treasurer do I want to be? But it's not just about the treasurer you want to be. It's about the leader you want to be so that when you are done at uh, Nashville Community College that you would then go on to the police academy. What are some of the things that you've kind of keyed into over the last day? And is there something in particular that you were hoping to talk to me about? Well, first off, I I saw your presentation last night. Okay. And that, that really hit me. And I, and I loved it. And I Thank loved you. like every bit of it. You were funny too. Okay. I, well, sometimes I can be. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, like everyone at the opening session yeah. uh, last night, it, like a lot of it got to me. I mean, that one guy gave me a hug because of my facial expression. Yeah. That, was, that was funny. <laughs> um, but no, I took, I took everything you said and everyone else said, and I made sure to like process it. Mm-hmm. Everything just basically was very unique and very helpful. I can't really like say one thing was better than the yeah, other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it all was like just wonderful, and I'm. I'm very happy that I got to be here. That's yeah. actually part of the reason I ran for the treasurer position. I yeah. knew about this before I ran. <laughs> um, I want to be treasurer because I want to go to Boston for well, a few days. Yeah. <laughs> that and the fact I've been treasurer before, I know mm-hmm. how to do it. Yeah. And I just want to be a leader. I, yeah. I've always been told that I can't be an activist. Try being a leader. And mm-hmm. I'm like, they, go they, they, they do go hand in yeah. hand. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that one of the things that, um, and excuse me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cough, so I'm gonna move my face away from the microphone. <laughs> um, is that when you are kind of looking at this opportunity? I love what you're saying. Is that like I started looking at this um, position because I saw this opportunity to go 
to this conference. And that opportunity is going to actually be something that fuels you. Okay. And I like where your brain's at. I like where you're kind of seeing this as like, look, I don't get to just have one prescribed route as a treasurer of an organization. I get to make my own, I get to choose my own journey kind of thing. Okay. You choose your own adventure. Right. And I'm going to take all of the opportunity that I have that's been afforded to me in this role and maybe flip it on its head and not let people just kind of say, oh, well, she's the treasurer of this club um, that defines her. That doesn't define you. That's very clear to me. Okay. And that aspect of I'm going to continue to do the things that I want to do um, because of this experience, because it's going to make me a better police officer, a better person uh, in the in the criminal justice system, because I'm going to be uh, a more well-rounded human. I think one of the other things that I've been saying to folks, and I want to reinforce this with you as well, is this idea of this transferable skill. And um, in the, the world of corporate recruiting, call it um, soft skills, which I think is the, the worst term ever, okay? Because, and because this idea of soft, to me, makes it sound like, well, that's not that important, okay? Yeah. And, um, and those soft skills are things like public speaking, working with different people, critical thinking, things like that, where people go, oh, well, you know, that those are things we're looking for. You don't get those things in class. Yeah. You really don't. I mean, maybe some critical thinking, but you don't get that, uh, those prescribed in your courses. Okay. Oftentimes where you actually work with different people, difficult people deal with conflict, communicate, reason, innovate. Those are things that happen outside the classroom in these roles. And for you to go into law enforcement and actually be a leader in law enforcement, you're going to pull a lot from what you are making of your leadership position. I think of all the people I've talked to so far today, you're making your leadership position in a very different way than other folks. So I want to commend you on that. Thank you very much. I just try to do the best I can. I always said I wanted to make a difference in this world and more than ever now that the world seems to be falling apart everywhere. Yeah. I just want to make sure that people are safe and people are happy and people have a place to call yeah. home. It just means a lot to me. I mean, so many systems are out there and so, and every system I feel like has a flaw, but some need to get fixed way faster than others. I agree with you. All right. I, I'm going to keep an eye on you because I think we're going to, we're going to see more of you. So I appreciate you. Thank and you. I want you to enjoy the rest of the conference and uh, tell people to come on by. Thank you very much. I'm pretty sure a couple of my other friends <laughs> said they would stop by. That's so. great. All right. Well, we are here with Office Hours with Dr. DeVoe. We are here at the Commit to Excellence conference, and we are going to continue to be here throughout the conference where we are talking to folks who are participants, to faculty, and uh, we are doing these micropods throughout the day uh, and micro-coaching. And uh, so tune in. Follow me here on Fireside. We're going to continue to throw some pods up. And remember, get out there and learn something, everybody. <laughs>